1: Your computer makes thousands of connections every day. Just like the one it's making now to deliver you your audio content. Why not unlock some little connections of your own? Pick up a box of Cadbury Heroes today, stay at home, and share them with your family or friends. Sometimes, it's the little things that bring us together.
0: How's it going over there? Good. You got your toothbrush. Check. Do you have your deodorant? Sure. Do they know I'm black?
1: No. Should they? Mom and Dad, my uh, my my black boyfriend will be coming up this weekend, and I just don't want you to be shocked that he's a black and <laughs> Smoke, <laughs> Chris.
0: You should have Missy take care of that for you. How? Hypnosis. She developed a method, and I'm telling you it works like a Charm Charm Charm. She asked me to get comfortable, take out my contact lenses, and relax. Then she helped me get into a hypnotic state. Let your
2: thoughts be your thoughts. My words are only a key to you thinking differently. Now sink into the
0: floor. Wait, 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 wait. Think. When it comes to hypnosis, when it comes to uh, placebos, when it comes to the power of suggestion, there's no question that these effects have medical value. There's also no question that any seasoned uh, clinician knows fully well how to utilize these effects. Meet Steve Davis. He recently had a heart attack. He says the health scare is just one of the reasons he's turning to hypnosis. Chris, I thought it was total bullshit. I I smoked cigarettes for 15 years. I loved every goddamn puff I took. She puts me under once. The sight of a cigarette makes me want to vomit. Now to a Nebraska family that's looking for answers. Their son landed in the hospital after being hypnotized. They say he was going it is important to understand that these psychosocial effects sometimes are more potent, more important clinically than some of the uh, pharmacol, uh, pharmacology or some of the pharmacopoeia that, that we have available to us. Now
1: you're in the sunken place. Hello and welcome to Scienceish. I'm Rick Edwards, joined as ever by Dr. Michael Brooks. Hello. This show... Great show. Obviously, from the title of the show, it's going to be about science. Uh, less obviously, it's also about film. It's it, it's really pretty-ish, this <laughs> week, actually, <laughs> yeah. but in a good way. I'm going to be putting one of 2017's best films on the science-ish chopping block, which is, I mean, as you well know, one of the most prestigious chopping blocks out there. We're going to be exploring the science of the Oscar-nominated Get Out. Oh, Get
2: Out. <laughs>
1: Is that going to be your level today? Yeah, can I, can I? <laughs> <laughs> Just for a bit of background information, uh, Michael was on a cocktail making masterclass yesterday and has turned up looking well. I mean, not his best. Also, sounding not his best. Also, thinking not his best. Thinking, yeah, would be stretching it somewhat. Mm. Anyway, yes, great film. It is a great film. Um, I don't. It's kind of tricky to know what to say about the plot without absolutely ruining it. But a gentleman called Chris, played by Daniel Kaluuya, the black guy goes to his white girlfriend's parents, very nice sort of isolated house somewhere in like, I don't know, upstate New York or something like that. And very it's white America. Very, very, very white America. Everyone's just a bit off with him, like just a bit weird about the fact that he's black. The only other black people there are staff which they kind of make a joke of, and also they behave very strangely, and the mum wants to hypnotise Chris so that he gives up smoking. And she does hypnotise him, and from there it all really kicks off and is quite unpleasant. Just watch it, it's fantastic. It's really, really, really good. And also, I'd sort of forgotten that it's quite funny as well. Yeah, it is funny. Chris's best mate who works for the TSA (laughs) is just a golden character. (laughs) So our big question is going to be, does hypnosis work Oh, hmm.
2: and have we got a heavy hitter for this?
1: Yeah, I mean, I had a, sort of a like a gut instinct here I <laughs> what my answer would be. <laughs> no um, spoilers, but we're not just going to go with my gut instinct. We've actually got a heavy hitting scientist, but we've taken it a step further than just heavy hitting scientist. We've got Amir Raz, who is director of the Brain Institute at Chapman University in California, and also professor of psychiatry at McGill University. So far, so classic science ish. However this guy before he was a scientist was a magician (laughs) massive housey that is huge
0: now from Captain crunch magic tricks there are four magic tricks in all you know i started out like many many younger person does by looking at the side panel of cereal boxes and dabbling in magic and being fascinated by all kinds of things vanishing and reappearing. Hi, I'm Marshall Brodine. Most magic tricks are easy once you know the secret. And with the magic show, you can learn to do many tricks. There was really nothing to it other than uh, the fact that over time, as a function of both serendipity and interest, I started to get more and more into it uh, to the point that um, at some point, I started doing slightly more sophisticated magic and I joined a magic circle. And as a result, I had access uh, into this secret guild of people who were performers, stage performers, people who were masters at, you know um, capturing and entertaining and in many ways mesmerizing audiences.
2: a subject have you ever been been hypnotized
0: hypnotized?
2: no all right fine just relax
0: just relax before I knew it uh, some of my friends sometimes very young people uh, started doing hypnosis shows at the time it was very common for magicians to uh, do stage hypnosis it was considered part of the magic um, milieu
1: you will do exactly As I tell you.
0: It was amazing to me to see how they would stand in front of thousands of people sometimes. In a few seconds, your eyes close and you go into a deep hypnotic sleep. And um, without blinking and without breaking a sweat, they would go through a whole stage hypnosis show and it was amazing to me because i knew that they knew absolutely nothing about hypnosis so i would speak to them you know about what does it mean to them to be able to hypnotize people without knowing the first thing about hypnosis and how can they reconcile not just for me but for themselves this particular issue and the answers that i got often were extremely disturbing to me it, it turned out that many of them were just people who were uh, reading like a short read book uh, before the show, or they would learn patter by heart, or they would have like an extremely superficial knowledge of what they were doing, yet they were extremely successful at the same time. And that got me thinking uh, about the whole thing.
2: Now, when I snap my fingers,
1: you are fully awake go relaxed and feeling wonderful. You are awake.
0: So I would say that the whole path that I carved out into what I do today, which is sort of the science or the nuts and bolts of what's happening in the human brain and how human behavior is influenced by suggestion, uh, let alone hypnotic suggestion, uh, the seed for that was probably planted many, many years ago, many decades ago.
1: First things first, I love this guy. (laughs) I'm really into it. I love the path in. I love the fact that he's just looking at these people going, but what are you doing, though? But what are you doing? And them going, Dunno. We don't know. We don't know. Don't know what we're doing. But it seems to be working. Love that. We're making a career out of it. Yeah. And yeah. he's thought, well, I'm going to have a look and see what it is that you're actually doing. What a G. But, I mean, the,
2: people have known about hypnotism and doing hypnotism for a long time, presumably. So you don't need to understand the human brain. I mean, this, this must go back centuries, does it?
1: Yeah, it it does. It's been around for a long time. One of the first guys whose name you're probably familiar with was uh, Dr. Franz Mesmer, oh. hence mesmerism. Oh. Um, and he, he was doing <laughs> exactly what you want from um, a, a hypnotist. So he's doing sort of um, like ethereal music, on like is. an accordion, or something <laughs> creepy. Um, dim, like dim lighting, and then he's producing uh, magnetic fluid, which is handily oh. a invisible and b only he can make. <laughs> and then he's infusing you with it. Hang on, um, doctor. Um, yes, <laughs> uh, you'll be. I'm surprised here. He was uh, discredited. Oh, really, <laughs> but, charlatan? Did you say? Yeah. But well, this is the weird thing. So. Yes, on the one hand, charlatan, because it's all a load of pantomime. But he was doing something, and he was maybe the first person to show that you could manipulate the mind so that it will affect the body. And how he was doing it, he wouldn't have had a clue, and all of the sort of theatre around it was obviously bollocks but he was doing something yeah and then and then later on and it wasn't called hypnosis hypnosis was coined in the 1840s by this guy James Braid this guy braid would just stare at you intently um until you sort of went into a into a trance again had no clue how it worked but it It did seem to, um, and then spiritualists and magicians started to adopt it and and you know all of these kind of stagecraft um hypnotists emerged so the point is it 's been knocking around for a long time and and in the you know from the sort of fifties onwards it 's really been adopted as a way of. Um, treating depression, anxiety, the treating pain. So, what's it?
2: What's it telling us? I mean, you say none of these people really understood what they were doing, but yes. presumably now we're getting a bit more sort of insight into what's actually going on in the brain.
1: Yeah. So, it's and it's genuinely like I just thought that it was going to be absolute bollocks, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but you look at it, and the way that we process sensory data is sort of in. in two directions so you take in basic data from your eyes ears nose whatever like the raw sensory data and then that gets sent to your like the primary sensory regions of your brain and then that goes on to the higher regions which are responsible for interpretation that's called feed forward sensory processing but there is also feedback and there are 10 times as many nerve fibers going in the other direction so you've got this kind of top down processing so Effectively, your expectation from your higher brain region of what you're going to be taking in can sometimes override or certainly have an influence on the raw sensory data. So what you see is not necessarily what you get. It kind of depends on what your higher regions are expecting that you're going to be. So if you're expecting to see a flower, then you are more likely to interpret the sensory data as a flower. Okay, yeah. Um, So then if you're your top level, like your higher region of the brain, can be convinced of something, then it can overrule the bottom level data. So if the top level is convinced that you're not going to be in pain, for example, yeah. and then sensory data is coming in saying, Do you know what guys, <laughs> we're getting fucked in, <laughs> then the top the top region is just like, relax, it's fine. I've already told you it's fine. Wow. Um so and and that kind of explains why placebos work. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, meditation and, and, and hypnosis fundamentally you're just trying to create like a really formidable sort of position that, you're, that your top down processing is taking meaning that a suggestion from someone can overcome the reality so yeah. that's what you want you want the suggestion that is being put in by the hypnotist or whatever um, to overcome the reality of right, the situation right
2: you want to know how it works <coughs> <laughs> You just dangle a pocket watch in front of people's faces. Is that it?
0: <laughs> you watch a lot of TV.
1: <laughs> when I was a kid. Uh, so how do you do it? What, what methods can you use? There's there's sort of a like a, a series of steps, really. But yeah, the, so the first thing I do is I try and uh, gain your trust. So if I seem like I'm in control, like I'm knowledgeable, then you'll just be a bit more likely to follow my instructions. That's the first thing, and then. The next thing is you're just trying to get the attention focused, and so this is this is really key, and we do experience it quite regularly. I mean we wouldn't describe it as a hypnotic trance, but when you're watching a film and you're really engrossed by it, and a hypnotic trance is, is quite similar, and what they'll be trying to do is make you just focus on the hypnotist's voice and turn off your own other thoughts which then means there's room for them to implant Uh, their own now
2: you're feeling very sleepy
1: (laughs) (laughs) we do use focal points sometimes to guide someone into a state of
0: heightened suggestibility heightened suggestibility that's right and then
1: the third thing is just relaxation so i need you to be super relaxed and i'll use standard relaxation techniques to that so you're comfortable enough right it's perfect thanks Sure. Uh, and then the, the, the fourth bit is just that classic sort of imagery thing when they're like, okay, now imagine that you are heading down some stairs, yeah, ten yeah. flights. We're going to count them down, yeah. ten, nine, and then imagine you're going down the stairs, eight, seven, and all that. I guess because you're sort of sinking yeah. into a into a trance rather than going up. Like yeah. going up seems to be more active somehow. And then and then when you get to the bottom of that descent, then they say you've fallen asleep
2: now sink into the floor
1: wait 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 wait, wait, wait. Sink. but your obviously key distinction here is you're not asleep you're in a kind of altered conscious state so some consciousness is obviously retained in in this kind of trance state but then there's real there's real arguments about what a hypnotic trance is. Like some people say, it's just a societal thing. So you know when you go into that situation that you are about to be hypnotised, and that the hypnotist uh, is going to get you to do stuff, and you just and effectively you just, play along. You just play the role, right? Right. Um, but but really convincingly, even to yourself. Um, it should be said that hypnotherapy as a um, as a sort of uh, profession is not hugely well respected well, in the say, you know, when, when you hold
2: him as one, as one of the great yeah. hypnotherapists, that's yeah. a
1: damning with faint praise, isn't it, really? Yeah, like people generally sort of write it off as pseudoscience. And I think a lot of it is. For example, it's a great thing that a, a journalist in, in the UK did in, I think it was, like two, it was quite recently, in like 2009, to demonstrate that literally anyone can be a hypnotherapist. He, with three of the main hypnotherapy groups, Worldwide, He registered his cat as a hypnotherapist, <laughs> just made up some credentials, and so the cat was just accepted. Which suggests that the bar is quite low yeah. to become a hypnotherapist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think the cat was a- particularly accomplished at it.
2: <laughs>
1: <No>. <laughs> as you can imagine, there's always been a lot of controversy over whether the hypnotic state in... in inverted commas, is a real neurological phenomena as opposed to just like extreme concentration or playing along with the role that you know is expected of you. Um, and so Professor Raz set out to prove it in the lab in a way that was impressive enough that even neuroscientists had to go, now that is interesting. And so he decided to use something which is called the the Stroop task, uh, which is a very familiar psychological test.
0: The Stroop task is one of those benchmark tests, uh, behavioral tests that people have used in psychology labs and neuroscience labs for many, many years. This is a very simple task that is usually done certainly today with, uh, with a computer. And on a computer screen, you basically see words, usually the names of colors. So red, green, blue, and so on. And those words are usually inked in a particular color that may or may not line up with the actual word. So you could have the word red and it could be inked in blue or black. The job of the participant or the task that the participant is charged with is to basically respond as quickly and as accurately by indicating verbally is usually good enough. Um, what ink, What is the ink color in which the word is written? The interesting thing there is that it's very difficult when you see RED not to think about the color red. So when you see the word red and it's inked in a different color, let's say blue, and you are supposed to respond by saying blue, that usually slows people down quite a bit. And that usually also creates the uh, occurrence of more mistakes. We figured... It would make a lot of sense to try to take this Stroop task and spice it up a little bit, beef it up by giving participants the suggestion, in this case, the hypnotic suggestion, that what they're about to see is going to be in a foreign language that they don't understand. And I think most people have had this experience where they are in a particular, I mean, that could be in a a subway car, they can be in a a, a public space and and they they hear other people speak in a different language. They recognize very quickly that this is a language that they don't understand. Uh, Maybe they can't even recognize and they turn it off. They they, they shut it out. Because it just feels like uh, sounds that are meaningless. Same thing happens here. I gave people the suggestion that they are uh, going to be looking at uh, words that are in a foreign language, uh, using a different alphabet from the one that they're used to. And as a result, I was able to show that the Stroop effect actually uh, disappeared. Now, why is that important? Or why is that remarkable? Or why is that considered to be, uh, to this day, a-, a towering result? That's because the Stroop effect is considered to be one of the most automatic, ballistic, uh, deeply entrenched and immutable effects in uh, psychology, certainly in cognitive psychology, uh, that has ever been reported. In other words, this is one of the prime examples of uh, an effect that is extremely difficult to abolish, even when you know what the experimenter is trying to do, even if you try very hard uh, cognitively to go against what the effect is supposed to do. It's very difficult for people to do that. As a matter of fact, it's impossible. So this says something about the ability of hypnosis or suggestion to gain control over involuntary processes. The interesting thing here also is that all of our thinking about this troop was mostly bottom-up. And here, given these results, we needed to revise these things and infuse our explanations with a good measure of top-down.
1: So what's actually going on in the brains then? So he's hooked them up to... The the people he's studying up to fMRI scanners, and you can see that there's less activity in the hypnotized people in their anterior cingulate cortex, which I know is one of your favorite bits of the brain, Michael. That's where conflict resolution takes place. So if you've got sort of like two conflicting bits of information, so e.g., the word blue versus the color that you're seeing orange, um, then that bit of the brain would sort of have a look at it and go, well, I think we're going to go with this. But with the hypnosis and the suggestion, that appears to be turned right off. So you don't have that. And also there's much less activity in the bit of the brain that is involved in recognising written words. So you're effectively turning off the conflict resolution centre and you're turning off the, or not quite turning off, but reducing the activity in your conflict bit of your brain and the bit that would normally be dealing with Reading, So they're effectively, by this suggestion,
2: just like, well, I can't read this stuff anyway, so I'm not You're even just going Just bypassing. Yeah. yeah. So There's like, no, no point even, trying.
1: Doesn't even get processed. No. No, no. That's just, amazing. Just skipping past it. Um, and you can see that with other similar experiments where you say to someone, you put in this hypnotic suggestion that they're going to look at a picture that has color. Yeah. And you can see in their brain that the bits um, that deal with color light up even though they're looking at a monochrome picture <laughs> um so you can show them a black and white image and say now you're going to be looking at some colors and the bit of the brain that deals with colors is like hello there so some of these people would actually when you tell them that they're gonna see color in a black and white image they would see color So you're doing something quite spicy to their brain yeah yeah and you can also do stuff with hypnotic induced pain so they did it with heat pain i think they sort of measured the uh brain activity when you when you touch like a a hot rod look to see which bits of the brain stimulated and then you do it again you say you're going to be touching this this hot rod and they touch it but it isn't a hot rod and they are still responding the same way because they think they their brain's telling them it's actually hot yeah that is freaky shit yeah It is, isn't it? Yeah. And it makes you think, I do not want to be hypnotized. (laughs) (laughs) You can do some naughty stuff in there. But it makes you also
2: think, I wish I could hypnotize
1: people.
0: Absolutely. (laughs) You should have Missy take care of that for you. How? Hypnosis. She developed a method, and I'm telling you, it works like a charm. Wow.
1: Um... Some people don't want strangers messing around in their heads, guys.
0: Listen, Chris, I thought it was total Bullshit. I I smoked cigarettes for 15 years. I loved every goddamn puff I took. She puts me under once. The sight of a cigarette makes me want to vomit. Okay, fall back team. It's a service we provide. <laughs> I'm good actually
1: <laughs> Thank yes. you. So it turns out that pain travels along two channels inside the brain. It, it registers in in your sensory cortex. So that that's the sort of the the, the raw data, and then it gets deciphered in the in the prefrontal cortex and the emotional center of the prefrontal cortex sort of acts as a as almost like a dimmer switch so depending on the person's opinion of it you will feel it differently so if you've been told that you're not going to you're not going to feel any pain so you feel quite sort of relaxed about it then it will it will dim down the sensory data effectively if you're hypnotizing a patient you can just tell them that the the pain is minor and then they just interpret the, the the sensory data differently and feel better. It's like, it's that simple. You just have to say, ah, oh, yeah, this actually isn't really going to hurt, and then give them a good old stab. <laughs> um, and they're like, you're right. Actually, it's all right. I mean, it's a bit of I mean, I felt a bit of a prick as it went in.
2: But if if it really is, because it seems quite like amazingly powerful mm. in in these instances mm. that you're talking about and it's not available on the national health service as far as i'm aware no so does that mean that actually it's only powerful for very few people i mean so we've not yeah. got many people who would actually have these kinds of experiences
1: yeah exactly so uh, there's about 10 to 15 percent of adults are highly hypnotizable 80 percent sort of a bit and then 10 percent not at all um very different to kids so 80 to 85 percent of kids are, are highly hypnotizable because oh, they're good. top down. I think yours are too old, sorry, Ugh. but their top down kind of processing centers just haven't matured, effectively. Oh, right. yeah. so they're easier to override or implant suggestions in. You can kind of tell from a person's like personality to some extent whether they're going to be hypnotizable. So, to people who are quite sort of intuitive, quite trusting, um, quite imaginative. Like, those people are much more likely to be susceptible to hypnotism. People who don't really insist on order or using logic in all situations... They'll be more okay. easily hypnotizable. Yeah, I know these people, yeah, I, I know these people <laughs> and I'm not one of them. No, I'm, I'm not. I like absolutely <laughs> insist on <laughs> on logic and order at all times. <laughs> so
2: these are the same kinds of people who would follow, you know, a cult leader kind of thing.
1: Is, yeah, I mean, is, yeah, no, no surprise there. Yeah, really. But there's also you can look at brain scans. You look look at people's sort of neural activity, right, and have a fair idea of whether they're going to be. Hypnotizable. So you look at three different areas of the brain. So you're looking at the, um, the sort of default mode network, which is essentially like the brain, like holding pattern, just always running, just keeping things ticking over. And then you've got executive control, which is the sort of like brain and body function control. And then you have this thing called the salience network, which is a thing that works out what's important and, and what isn't. And if you have a lot of activity between your executive control center and your salience network, so the connection is very active, um, then you are much more likely to be hypnotizable. Um, so if you're constantly sort of your executive control is checking in with um, with your salience network. Um, and also, if, if generally speaking, um, you don't have like massive activity in your salience uh, network, then it means that you're probably a bit calmer as well right? and more likely to be hypnotizable. Very unsurprisingly, the part of the brain that is responsible for self-reflection, um, the activity drops significantly um, when you're hypnotised. <laughs> so which is so you're not people. thinking, oh, I'm clucking like a chicken. No. What a dick. No, you're just thinking, I'm clucking like a chicken. <laughs> <laughs> perfect <laughs> <laughs> if you've ever cooked like a chicken get in touch with the show
0: cigarette smoking is the greatest single cause of cancer deaths in the u.s clearly the addiction isn't an easy one to beat but there's an unusual treatment helping some people hypnosis When it comes to hypnosis, when it comes to placebos, when it comes to the power of suggestion, there's no question that these effects have uh, medical value. There's also no question that any seasoned uh, clinician knows fully well how to utilize these effects. For Helen Dorman, the pain of breast surgery was almost more than she could bear. I'd like you to close your eyes and let yourself relax. So this, she's been told, can so make a difference. And no, it's not a new drug, it's I'd hypnosis. I'd like you to
2: focus all your attention on that relaxing feeling in your toes.
0: Sometimes they do it without really knowing. Sometimes they know what, They do it without necessarily um, getting formal education about it. But I think that any practitioner who is in the trenches should get formal education in the power of suggestion and in the ideas that stand behind top-down control.
2: We found patients in our hypnosis treatment group had less pain, they had less nausea, they had less fatigue and they were less emotionally upset or less anxious
0: these kind of effects can sometimes be as powerful if not more powerful than some of our standard or traditional bottom-up approaches and also because using these top-down approaches we can often enhance and uh, increase therapeutic response and therapeutic outcome in many situations.
1: Ladies, pay attention to this because I got some real serious questions here. These days, we're all about going green or using more homeopathic methods to alleviate pain. So it's really no big surprise today that we're talking about using self-hypnosis while giving birth. Uh huh. Here with more is Dr. John Zuli of the. Hypnosis I
0: think there's very little dispute Sivard, that uh, to placebos to are everywhere, and that uh, modern medicine, before it became as modern as we now like to think, was mostly placebo based. Today, we sort of treat placebo effects as noise and anything that comes from psychology or comes from, you know, uh, the, 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 the non-specific effects of interaction and the therapeutic um, milieu in which a, a patient is set is immediately dismissed or chalked up to placebos or to other psychosocial effects. It is important to understand that these psychosocial effects sometimes are more potent, more important clinically than for some of the pharmacopoeia that that we have available to us. Hypnotic suggestion is one example, just one example of a situation where dramatic effects follow as a result of a particular verbal interaction between a therapist or a hypnotic operator, if you'd like to think about, you know, the the hypnotist as such, and a patient or a participant. In my 30 years of doing research and some clinical work in this realm, I have seen some remarkable examples that would be very difficult to explain by um, bottom-up approaches uh, alone that would be uh, extremely helpful to many a physician, many a clinician, by just adopting more of a top-down approach, both in terms of the science of it and in terms of the practicality of it.
2: we talked about it being used in medicine and for pain and stuff. I've also heard of Hypnotic suggestions about memory and stuff like that. So, can you use it to, like, you know, erase people's memories
1: or bring things back and stuff? Yeah. So you can do a thing called post-hypnotic amnesia, and um, so you will forget about particular things until the hypnotist cancels that instruction. Effectively, right. so temporarily forget something. And why that's interesting is post-hypnotic amnesia is a really useful tool for modelling functional amnesia because they both exhibit the same trait, which is that the memory is still there, you just can't access it. And also it really shows, which is kind of obvious, but was contentious for a long time, that there is actual influence on brain activity, on neural activity caused by hypnosis. Right, yeah. Because um, yeah. that was, I guess people were sort of unconvinced by that, but you can just see it when yeah. you do these, these studies. You can see that brain activity is changing as a consequence of these suggestions under hypnosis.
2: So I have a feeling that we might have changed our minds about this yeah. in the process of actually doing some proper research. Hmm.
1: Um, does hypnosis work? I think it definitely works for the people that it works for. Right. Yeah. So the the ten to fifteen percent of adults who are highly hypnotizable don't think it's us, Um, but yeah, I don't think there's any there's any question, which I'm really surprised by. I just thought it was absolute quackery, (laughs) Um, and uh, uh, and it isn't. No. And there's some science in there. Fair play. Yeah. Science ish. Um, Fair play, hypnotists. Good on you. I mean, it still doesn't change the fact that the majority of them have absolutely no idea what they're doing.
2: Yeah, but, but they are I don't doing something. That.
1: Yeah, yeah, they um, are doing something. I've I've seen it. Feels done. a bit like science is catching up with them rather than yeah. the other way around in some yeah in some respects. Yeah. So they they know that they're having an effect. They know that this is working as an anaesthesia when they're chopping off someone's limb. They just don't know how it's working. And now, slowly through like brain scans and stuff, we're starting to figure out that it's all to do with this kind of that the power of your top-down processing um, and. How, if you can alter the expectation of that top down processing, you'll be able to change people's experience of the world, which is amazing. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, what proportion of our listeners would you say would be hypnotizable? I think uh, 70
2: to 75%. I put a spell on you
1: because of my. Science-ish is a Radio Wolfgang production presented by me, Rick Edwards, and Dr. Michael Brooks. The producers were Cormac McAuliffe, Ivor Slayer-Manley. Special thanks to Professor Amir Raz. If you like the show, please subscribe and rate wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you, it does help. You can also find us on Twitter at science underscore ish. I don't think I've ever heard anyone describe their own study as a towering result. It's one of the great houses.
2: I think he's just telling it like it is. Or is it he the is. power of suggestion? Maybe he's just like, you know, if he says this often enough, then everyone will believe it.
0: Your computer makes thousands of connections every day, just
1: like the one it's making now to deliver you your audio content. Why not unlock some little connections of your own? Pick up a box of Cadbury Heroes today, stay at home, and share them with your family or friends. Sometimes it's the little things that bring us together.